Our guest today is Mark Ratberg. Throughout his career, Mark has worked in sales roles at major companies such as Salesforce, Microsoft, and LinkedIn. In his current role, he is a key account manager, educating leaders about LinkedIn's flagship product, Sales Navigator. Mark works with sales executives and organizations on how to leverage a modern sales approach via social selling to drive lead generation and revenue growth. With this background, Mark is able to provide unique insights from his experience working at the world's largest professional networking company. This is complemented by his clear passion for teaching, mentoring, and coaching. Here's our interview with Mark Ratberg. Mark, it is so great to have you on today. And I know we've worked together in the past and just really excited to get your perspective working at one of the biggest social and business networking sites out there, along with your background in sales. Uh, so great to have you on today. Preston, Nick, good morning to you both. Excited to be here and uh, look forward to hopefully sharing some valuable content for, for the audience. Yeah, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. And just like Preston was saying, you're involved in the largest professional networking site online. And that really gives you the opportunity to notice trends in employment. So with that being said, what's your take on what LinkedIn has dubbed as the great reshuffle? Yeah, so first for the audience, let me just quickly address what we see as what is the great reshuffle, right? People are making career changes now more than ever before, especially now if you think of COVID and the pandemic. And there's multiple reasons why, right? COVID, of course, being a primary driver of this, but pay, work-life balance, remote work, all of those things are causing people to reevaluate re where they're currently sitting in terms of their job and career and making a move. You know, Microsoft released a 2021 work trends report. And, and in that report, 41% of people were considering leaving their current employer in the, uh, in the past two years for this coming year of 2022. And 46% of the global workforce was considering a major career pivot. So that is the reshuffle. People are changing and moving. And if you saw the labor, the Bureau of Labor Statistics come out just, just last year in December, 4.4 million Americans left their jobs late last year. The second thing I would share is the impact that career moves are having on the sales profession that you know, most of the folks that were involved with Preston right, over the years. For example, buyer turnover. Right, 31% increase in turnover among corporate directors and above right now. So that translates into three key things, Nick and, and Preston. One is loss of key relationships. Those people leave maybe the account or prospect that you're working and move on. Second, accounts that you may be managing go unmanaged. You know, they don't hire somebody right away or they're not being supported in some way. And then third is that institutional knowledge that those people held disappears. The third impact I would say that the uh, great reshuffle is happening or having is this impact on career moves for sellers themselves, right? So forget about just decision makers. Now that's making longer sales cycles for sales professionals. Two, it's higher churn. And then three, that's impacting win rates for sales professionals. Yep. So in the end, 
the great reshuffle is impacting the market in various ways. And, and my focus has been on trying to help sales professionals like you and Nick and Preston and others through my LinkedIn network, for example, on tips, suggestions, and ideas of what they can do to change that. Mark, I think that's great. And I love all the statistics uh, for the retail spin on what was, I think, initially dubbed the great resignation and now reshuffle, you know, it's really affected the retail industry and where within retail, it's not on the e-commerce side as much. It's more on the brick and mortar side. You look at these retail sales associates, uh, those that are, you know, working the, the register, working on stocking in the stores and that, um, associate is really, you know, where we see this. Uh, Bloomberg just put out a stat where two thirds of retailers are struggling to meet their sales targets because of staffing issues. And you look at retail, it's a tough grind. You know, it's long hours, low pay, working holidays, not set schedules. Uh, last Q4, what happened in retail was you know, typically you'd see all this part-time seasonal associate hiring and that just didn't happen. And, and it's all about the retailer being able to get the consumer back in their store and they haven't been able to like they have in prior years due to not just the pandemic, but supply chain issues and not having in stock the products that consumers want. So, you know, really affected Q4. And, you know, what, what do you do about that? You know, how do you change that? When people are looking for, it's not just about pay, you know, something better, more flexible in their lives. And, and uh, you know, it's affecting all of us, but I think retail specifically. So great stats, great overview, high level. And, and thanks so much for that perspective, especially coming from LinkedIn, one of the biggest, not only for B2B sales reps, but networking sites that are out there. And I think that's a great segue into our next question, Nick. Yeah, with so many of these professional networking interactions moving to LinkedIn, what's your take on social selling? Yeah, great, great question, Nick. First, I would say let's acknowledge and come to the realization that social selling is no longer a nice thing to try, <laughs> right? It's a must for any sales professional in the industry. Now, why do I say that? That's because we know here at LinkedIn, it works. Now, I represent a product that LinkedIn uh, provides to whether it's B2C or B2B called Sales Navigator. And on average, sales professionals using that tool have 27% more pipeline than their peers that don't. They have 6% higher win rates than peers that don't use the tool and a 37% deal size lift. So we know for a fact when engaging and looking at our customer base, that those folks that are using the tool versus those that don't get a result. Number three, we have to establish, if you're gonna look at social selling and many of the audience listening to this podcast may have not even started yet, Preston or Nick, right? So, so if I look at that, I would tell them, well, let's get on LinkedIn. You probably have a profile and you probably have looked at that profile in the past as a recruiter tool. Hey, is a recruiter gonna check me out and, and look at me? And you have to look at that now in today's digital age of selling as your online sales business card, right? Because sellers or excuse me, buyers are gonna come check you out when they start engaging with you as a seller. 
Now, when you look at your own profile, you need to then start looking at it and saying, what am I, what brand am I portraying for myself online in my LinkedIn profile? The first recommendation I would make if you're trying to get started is number one, you got to look at your picture that you put on LinkedIn. It is the number one impactful thing that you have on your profile, right? It's why realtors put their face on their business cards. <laughs> it's critically important. And you're 14 times more likely to be viewed if you have a profile picture, right? Uh, detail your work experience. You're 12 times more likely to get viewed if you have more than one position listed on your profile. The second thing when you look at your profile is you have to develop a brand, right? So if you're going to get into social selling, you got to get into a brand. You got to portray yourself and how you want to be viewed by a buyer. And I'll use myself as an example. If you come and visit my profile and check out the feed or the content that I share, it's all around trying to help you, my fellow sales professionals. I post content and articles on tips and suggestions and things to avoid that we're seeing in the marketplace. Not just at LinkedIn, but across other main uh, sources of, of content that I think are valuable to yourself. And, and the last thing I would share, share is you need to start getting active on LinkedIn, right? Having a profile is the first step. You know, beefing it up and making sure it's a buyer viewed profile and not a recruiter view is my suggestion I made just a moment ago. But then you got to take the extra step. You do have to log in and do some searching and view some profile views and look at companies and start saving some of those companies that you are prospecting into or would be interested in prospecting into. Because that begins the social circle of being provided intelligence or insights about those companies or people that you may want to reach out to in the future, right? That you may not get anywhere else other than LinkedIn. And last, I would say, and this is something that's very, very important, is begin to share content. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out and think you're going to be a marketer and start creating your own content, but log in as you follow different things, sales podcasts like The Matrix Place. And if you see these podcasts come across and you like them, and I like this one, like it, comment on it, reshare it. That's all you have to do to get started. Don't create your own stuff. I haven't created an article on LinkedIn in the last seven years. I find content that aligns with my brand and then I share it. And hopefully that's helpful. Preston? I love that. I love the idea of sharing, adding value. You're not really out there selling per se. Of course, you're social selling, but you're really just adding value to your network. And that's a part of it. Give to get. I really do believe in that. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, about LinkedIn being the biggest, you know, network that's out there uh, for this B2B sales initiative. And I think that's a great delineation between for retail, you know, these brands, brands that sell into retailers, you merchants out there listening, you might use Instagram a lot, or now you might use TikTok a lot to reach consumers with you know, the latest apparel fashion or whatever it may be, the hottest electronics. But LinkedIn, on the other hand, is the B2B side of it. That's where the corporate buyer at Target's headquarters that buys for all of Target's stores is gonna be. And that's how you reach the B2B buyer 
when it comes to really truly social selling. And that's what we're talking about here, not selling to the consumer per se uh, on Instagram and on TikTok, but on LinkedIn, which is the number one network for the B2B sale. Great point. And, and by the way, we have over 800 million members uh, that have signed up and that are on LinkedIn over 200 countries and territories. In North America alone, we got 202 million people, right? And wow. we have almost uh, just shy of 100 million people looking to log in, unique logins uh, every week. So they're on there. They're checking out their content and posting it. And great point. This is international. This is global. You know, you look at uh, Walmart's 3,000 stores in the U.S. and then all of the divisions in different regions uh, over around the world and the, the regional buyers that buy for, for uh, you know, Europe and APAC and all over. Yeah, we actually have 77 job applications every second on LinkedIn. It's great. Unbelievable. And that's yeah. a great indicator of growth, where companies are hiring, what their initiatives are. Yep. Yep, absolutely. B2B, um, just you know, there's all kinds of ways to, to leverage it. Yeah. And that's a great point about the recruiter view versus the buyer view profile, the content, like, for example, the content that we're going to be sharing, there's probably going to be a difference between what kind of content we're going to be posting in order to attract a recruiter versus attracting a buyer. And it's great thing to keep in mind, depending on what your goals are at the time. And all that is great for branding your profile. And along those lines, you did speak of the traditional sales rep who could basically come in and carry a room. Now, how would this translate to the current environment of remote working? Absolutely. So, so COVID has accelerated our sales profession into a digital engagement model faster than anything else ever could, right? Now, with that, likely faster than most roles, right? Because if we're sellers, and we've been forced to now work remote in the initial part of the pandemic and people were locked down and you were typically calling into, you know, uh, an office phone number for somebody. A lot of sales motions and engagement stopped entirely. And as a sales professional, if you're not engaging and keeping opportunities moving through the sales cycle, you're not making money. Right. Whereas other other roles within the organization may have been able to sit back and adjust and say, all right. I might project manage something slightly different now that I'm home. I have to, you know, use my laptop versus a monitor. Sales professionals, the engagement model was completely disrupted for many of us, right? And pre-pandemic, most larger deal cycles or engagements typically involve some form of face-to-face -face engagement at some point during the sales process. As a matter of fact, on a LinkedIn survey, 55% of sellers told us that Prior to the pandemic, they would struggle to build a relationship without a face-to-face -face meeting, right? So, and, and also pre-pandemic, half of the sales professionals to our LinkedIn surveys told us they didn't believe they could work virtually in their jobs. So then COVID hit, lockdowns came, and sellers had to, who had to rely on face-to-face -face engagements were propelled into this new digital engagement experience. And they needed to adapt building relationships at scale and all while being remote. So the first challenge we faced with many consultants and sales professionals is they felt like the end of the world was coming, right? It hit us, what are we gonna do? <laughs> so, so those professionals who thrived on that in-person contact and, 
and in controlling the room, Nick, to your point, we're suddenly removed from that engagement and had to change. So even today, they're still struggling with that, but they've then leaned into developing other skills to help circumvent that, that control the room environment and to help reduce churn on their pipeline or the sales motion. So those sellers have, you know, have, have made fundamental changes in their soft skills to navigate this challenge. And we see that every day. And some of the biggest courses we've seen get utilized on the LinkedIn platform, which are free. Since the pandemic, we made these courses free and we see sellers now going in at an alarming rate. One, digital body language. How do I conduct myself, right? Two, leading virtual meetings. How do I do that versus the on face-to-face? -face? And then the most important probably is that executive presence on video conference calls. So those were the three top courses. Now, LinkedIn Learning, which has over, you know, made over 600 learning courses free across seven languages during the pandemic, has been a huge advocate for our sales professionals out there to adjust. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, in 2021 in July, LinkedIn Learning had over 15,000 enterprise customers get on board. Uh, amazing. So it's been a huge shift for them. And those soft skills, Nick, I would say are the biggest change we've seen them have to adapt to over the last well, almost two years now since the pandemic started. And it's not easy. I'm one of those. I used to love and I miss going into a room and with that charisma, having looked up everybody on LinkedIn prior and knowing what they're about, what their priorities are and coming in and introducing myself and really you know, lighting up the room. Miss that, miss trade shows. I just attended the consumer electronics show virtually. It's just not the yeah. same. Yeah. So uh, 100% agree. It's, it's been a transition, part of launching a podcast and really engaging with sales and marketing professionals and merchants. Uh, and I'm so glad that you're covering this topic. It's not easy to do these things and navigate a beautiful presentation, flipping from this window to that. And it does take a skill set and a lot of practice. Nick? Yeah, getting used to it is definitely a process. And it's nice to hear that a lot of these resources on how to make the transition to work from home are being provided by LinkedIn. Now, sort of the complete opposite of that, what are some things to avoid when we're in web meetings? There's probably three tips I would give through, through my experience over the last two years. First is your appearance, your energy, and your background make a difference, right? More now, more than ever, we just got off the topic of face-to-face -face meetings. How, are, how do you want to present yourself? Now, I'll even beckon to say, going back to your LinkedIn profile, that is the first place you need to be buttoned up as I described earlier in the podcast. But then they come and meet you virtually over a Zoom or a WebEx or whatever tool you might be using, Microsoft Teams for that matter. And how you present is critically important, right? Preston's got a beautiful button down shirt on today. This is our hopefully our first podcast with the video that we'll be editing out and getting out to you guys in the near future. But it matters. It makes a difference to the audience. Your background matters. Uh, my other background that I use in my home office, I have a rotating, I have a clock and I have a rotating calendar that I manually change every single day. And I have a phrase um, that I use. This is my other office that I use today for the podcast. But 
everybody who joins my web meetings are looking for what quote, the phrase that I have up for the week. Cool. And I change it every single week. So that's part of my background. I've also done a whole, you know, shiplap background and, and shelves and stuff. I really took the time to make sure that when my audience joins me, my buyers, my influencers, my decision makers, I want them to see the best experience they can have. Number two, do your research and homework, right? You can go to LinkedIn. You can look up their corporate website. You can see what social content they're posting out there. Be relevant about what's happening in the organization. Now, those press releases may be extremely high level, but show some type of aptitude that you're taking interest in that buyer or influencer or, or customer's business. And quite frankly, I use it to ask questions, figure out what else is going on, and then go deeper into those. Hey, I know you guys posted about purchasing another location or developing a new product. How is that impacting you? Is it at all impacting you? If not, why not? If it is, tell me more. And then also learn about your customers' customers. And again, I know we're talking about web meetings, but all of this comes across in the way you engage somebody in those discussions. Web meetings don't replace, like it doesn't take a fact that you wouldn't do this for face-to-face -face, or you wouldn't walk into a company and not know about them. A web meeting doesn't give you the excuse not to do this work, right? You have to be prepared. Know what's your customer's customer. What are they trying to get from their customers? And can you align to that and bring that out in your engagement online or in face-to-face, -face, quite frankly. But now we're all doing it uh, via the web anyway. So I thought I'd add those three suggestions. I love it. And I also have seen some pretty phenomenal virtual backgrounds where you might do something that's important to your customer. I love that you brought up your customer's customer in an initiative that's going on there. Maybe they you've got an insight, a new product launch, or they're expanding into launching new stores, things along those lines. And Maybe you're featuring that in your virtual background behind you. Um, there's a lot that you can do with there, and, and it's fun. It gets that, that initial laugh in the introductions when you're talking about the very first part of a meeting is, this is our understanding of you. Did we get it right? Let's listen before we present and align with your initiatives and goals. And, and really, I think that's a part of kind of opening up that conversation. That's really cool that you're doing a new quote of the week. That's, that's uh, people are looking forward to, you know, just getting on with you and, and making it fun because it's challenging. A lot of hours in front of this video screen you know, all day long. And, uh, you know, that's a, a fun, unique way to do it. Thanks. Yeah. And change it up. Right. So the first yeah. time you might have your regular background, like you see today, and, you know, you can upload, like you said, Preston, images and, and graphics and your customer's logo. Maybe you bring that into the next call or the third call. You you can be creative and your, your audience will pick up on that. Trust me, it works. And having that unique background or a new quote in the background does kind of parallel, you know, sharing content on LinkedIn and branding your profile in a way that really stands out. And that reminds me of a piece of content that you recently shared. It was this interesting insight about how decision makers at a company are 61% more likely to switch jobs in January than in any other month. Now, what action could a sales rep take during this month given this information? Great, great question. I got two tips. The first and foremost, let's go back to social and social selling, right? You, 
the, one of the easiest ways of accomplishing this and staying in touch is to be on LinkedIn. And the reason why I say that is if you're reaching out and connecting to your key buyers, right, your key contacts, your executive sponsors, if you connect with them on LinkedIn, and number one, have something valuable to share as often as you can, they're going to see value in you. But number two, if they update or change their profile, you immediately will get notified that in your LinkedIn newsfeed. You'll find out that they've made a career move from company A to company B. So drive those connection requests and be personal in those connection requests so that you can stay on top of them. And if they're releasing content or sharing content, you could see that in your newsfeed. So number one, like I mentioned earlier, get involved with social, get your LinkedIn profile buttoned up and start making some serious connections with buyers and decision makers and influencers. Their adjustments to their LinkedIn profile will feed that back to yourself. That's one of the easiest ways of staying on top of this. Second, slightly, you know, slightly different, but I would recommend is if you're a sales professional, I don't care if it's B2C or B2B, if you're not looking at Sales Navigator from LinkedIn as an enhancement to your LinkedIn profile, you're missing out. I talked earlier about increases in pipeline, deal size, and win rates. The product does not have to be purchased by corporate office. You could go in and buy your own online subscription to the tool and start making more money and selling, right? That access isn't for free, but it's a way of enhancing your LinkedIn experience, which will be beneficial to those folks listening to the podcast, right? The tool allows you to go in and look at any contact within the LinkedIn ecosystem. So today as a LinkedIn profile, you may have some limitations within your network, right? Or second degree or third degree profile views. Navigator unlocks all of that. You can go in and look at any one of the 800 million members that are out there and see if they fit the personas or the buyers that are potentially trying to come into your either your retail place or your B2B engagement model. And you can look them up and learn about them and not be connected with them in any way, shape, or form. Second, you could be saving them to a, an executive tracker list, right? Or an executive engagement tracker list, where then you can be notified of those updates. And again, they may not be in your network at all. So that intelligence is critically important. These tools that LinkedIn offers, whether they're free or whether you pay for a subscription to Navigator, can dramatically improve your visibility into the knowledge of executives changing, as well as people who you don't know who come into your territory or come into accounts that you're tracking and following. Yeah, great point. And I think, you know, you really touched on from a sales standpoint, how to leverage that knowledge of a job change. And I see when people transition, they always send out on LinkedIn that appreciation note from where they left before. And, you know, it's a small world in the retail industry. That's definitely one side of it. The other side of it is we're all in sales and we and myself always looking at opportunities, always listening for new opportunities. You know, is the grass greener? This goes back into the very first question of the great reshuffle. And, you know, can I make more money? That's really what it all boils down to in sales. Yes, there's these other factors like culture and being happy and flexibility, but really we're motivated by one thing, money. And is the grass greener elsewhere? Should I go to a competitor even? And so that kind of a, a thing, you know, always comes up at the, the beginning of the year, looking at your new goals, getting your new quota and, you know, leveraging LinkedIn to make those connections. Um, 
you know, Mark, we are, are so appreciative of having you on today. Uh, some really fantastic metrics and our listeners are going to get a ton of value out of this. Um, what would be, and I already know the answer, what would be the best way for our listeners to connect with you and to reach out to you? Well, we drink our own champagne. So we're talking about <laughs> LinkedIn, right? So I would say, please go in to LinkedIn, look up my profile, send me an invite. However, I will give you a little connotation here is if you simply click on my, my profile and click send invitation without personalizing the message, I'm not likely to accept it. Take the time, personalize your request to connect and tell me why. Hey, you want to follow me for my content. You'd love to learn more. That makes a difference when you reach out to people on LinkedIn. And don't forget, it, it is a professional network. It is not a, uh, a Facebook, for a lack of a better term. So we're looking to make meaningful relationships where networks can help each other facilitate relationships for the broader good. So make it meaningful when you reach out to me. But check me out on LinkedIn. From the podcast, you'll see the spelling of my first and last name. Look me up, and I'll be more than happy to connect with you. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being on. Yeah, Mark. Thanks so much for joining us here today on the Merchant Matrix podcast. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. I'm really excited to, to have participated today. And uh, I look forward to sharing this with my network on LinkedIn as well to help drive more attendance to the future podcasts from uh, the Matrix Place. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day selling. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Merchant Matrix podcast. Mark offered some great tips and insights into the new career environment. And check out matrixplace.com, the place to go for all your digital sales and marketing consulting needs. matrixplace.com.